Shkalem Perk Ches Mishnah Ches 8.8 and the last of the Mesechta, I'm sorry to say. The good news is this Mishnah is like two Mishnahs, so we're not done quite yet. The first part of the Mishnah has a topic unrelated to the second part. And in fact, it's unrelated to pretty much everything we've talked about up to now either. So it's a great mystery what it's even doing here. It sure seems it should belong in the end of the fourth parak of Masechah's Tamid. Um, but the topic of this first half of the Mishnah is the location where one is to put the limbs from various burnt offerings, olos, prior to being put on the pyre on the altar itself. So there will be different zones on the ramp where these sacrificial parts will be placed prior to being brought up onto the fire. Now, what is this doing here in Amasechta? So, a possible suggestion is that there is the possibility of being confused. Let's say you have brought up a tamid, and the tamid limbs are on the Mizbeach's ramp. And although the normal thing to do is to put those limbs on the fire prior to doing the musafin, if a person, for whatever reason, was delayed in bringing up those limbs of the tamid shal shachar, and now also has limbs that belong to the musafin, so you might have thought, how do we deal with the question of how do you know if the limbs are tamid limbs or their musaf limbs, the difference being, of course, that the tamidin should be offered first. So the Mishnah is answering, well, there's very specific locations on the Mizbeach where they start to be put so that there's no confusion, nothing like no question mark should arise. So our Mishnah says inside, Avre HaTamid, the limbs of the tamid offering. Again, the din is that one has to um, butcher the tamid that that sheep into very specific um, portions and nitanin mechatsi kevesh ulamata b'marv the place to put these limbs are on the bottom half of the ramp on the western side of the ramp that would be since the ramp runs from south to north we're talking about the bottom half on the left hand side if you're facing towards the top of the mzbech and it should sit there um, what happens is after they do the offering of the blood, they have to still be mafshit to flay the animal and then to butcher it. And before putting the limbs onto the fire, the Kohanim need to go into Lishka Sagazis over there, the Chamber of Hewnstone, and recite Kriyashma, like they have chakras to daven still. And aside from Kriyashma, there's also the requirement to arrange the menorah and the um, the katoras, the incense to be brought. So there's a delay between the slaughtering and offering of the blood and the burning of the limb. So the limbs wait on the bottom of the ramp, on the left-hand side, on the western side, um, for a while. Vishel Musafin, the limbs from burnt offerings that are Musaf, that are brought, say, on Shabbos or Yom Tov, as opposed to the Tamid. Nitanin Machatia Kevesh on the bottom half of the ramp. The Mizrach, on the eastern side. Again, to make sure they don't get confused. Now, if you're talking about the offerings that are going to be burned from uh, Rosh Chodesh, so those are put higher up on the ramp, at the top third, let's call it, so that um, not only are they distinct from the other possible offerings, but more importantly, they're up top there, because that way people can see that today is Rosh Chodesh. That's a sign to them, because of course Rosh Chodesh could have been today, could have been tomorrow, and this lets everyone know that we're talking about Rosh Chodesh now. So, where exactly was it put? So the Mishnah says, Chadashim Nitanin al Karkov HaMizrach Milamala. From the Karkov of the Mizrach of the uh, Mizbeach, I should say. I read that terribly. I'm sorry. Nitanin al Karkov HaMizbeach. 
milamala. It's put on the Karkov area of the Mizbeach and up. What is the Karkov? There are actually a number of shitas. I'm going to say how I understand the Bartonura, just one shita, which is this. Um, at the top third, and the reason why it's referred to as the third is because the ramp, vertically, the top of the ramp is nine amos off the ground. That's because you have the there, the altar itself is poured concrete in three large slabs. The first slab is one amma high. It's called the yisod. Then on top of the yisod, recessed in like one amma on all sides, is five amma high. The top of which is called the sovev, which goes around the entire mizbeach. Then you have three more tefachim that are also recessed in one tefach on all sides. Um, the top of which is the top of the mizbeach. So. That adds up to 9. 1 plus 5 plus 3 is 9. So the ramp goes from the ground up to 9 almost high. So halfway up the ramp would be 4.5 almost. Um, two-thirds of the way up the ramp would be 6 almost. And the sovev, which is the platform around which the corner would walk if they went around the mizbeach, was at 6 almost off the ground. You sowed 1 plus 5 more. It gives you 6 of the sovev. Um, so we're saying it's the, the Karkov is from the Sovev's height and upwards. So it's from six to nine or the top third. And the idea being that we are putting it high up and prominent so people can clearly see this is separate from other Musafin. This is the Rosh Chodesh Musaf to tell you that today is Rosh Chodesh. And the Bartonur adds it's put on the eastern side of the Karkov. So there you go and upwards. So it's on the top third of the ramp on the eastern side. Fine. That's for Rosh Chodesh parts. Okay, so that's the first part of the Mishnah, and it sort of stands alone. And now we go to the second part of the Mishnah, which really is sort of the end of our Masechta, I'm sorry to say, and we, re- we revisit Shkalim for just a moment. The Mishnah says, Hashkalim, the mitzvah of giving the machsa shekel, vabikurim, and the mitzvah of bringing one's first fruits to the base of Mikdash to be waved before the Mizbeach and given to the Kohanim. These fr- first fruits we're talking about for Bikurim are specifically the seven species by which Eretz Yisrael is praised. So that means... Um, wheat and barley, as well as olives, grapes, dates, figs, and pomegranates. Those are the seven. I said them in the order of priority for brachas and so on. Um, so those seven are brought as bikurim. And both the shkalim and the bikurim, the mitzvah of machsa shekel and the mitzvah of bikurim, only apply when there is a base of mikdash extant and standing. If there's no base of mikdash, these mitzvahs do not apply. The reason why there's no mitzvah of shkalim when there's no base of mikdash is sort of self-evident. The point of the of the shkalim is to fund the activities of the the communal activities, the communal korbanos of the base of mikdash. And of course, if there's no base of mikdash, there's no korbanos tibur. So that can be understand why you don't bring shkalim. As for bikurim, it's really based on a pasuk. The pasuk in Shmos Perk Chav Gimel pasuk Yotes says Reishis bikuri admascha. Tavi beis Hashem alokecha, the first ripening fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of Hashem your God, and that's referring to, of course, the beis Hamikdash or the Mishkan. And that being the case, if there's no beis Hamikdash, no beis Hashem, there's no place to bring the bikurim, so there's no mitzvah to do it. The Mishnah continues and says, "Aval, however, master dagon, the tithing of grain." Umasr Behema, the tithing of animals, Vahabukhoros, the first mitzvah of the firstborn animals, those are Nohagin Bain Bifneabias, Bain Shalobifneabias. Those are applying applicable Midoraisa, whether or not there is a base of Mikdash standing. 
So let's do these three mitzvahs one at a time. The first is Meiser Dagan, the tithing of grain. What this is really referring to is what we refer to as Trumas and Meisras, and all the tithes there, Trumagadola, Meiser Rijon, and so on. And those tithes apply to all grain in Israel, as well as according to most Rishonim. Doraisa, it also applies to um, olives and olive oil, as well as grapes and wine. So that's the scope. There are other shitas that expand it further. Medoraisa, famous the Rambam, includes all produce, basically, except for vegetables. Okay, so we're saying that applies Medoraisa, even without a base of Mikdash. Now, there is a machlokas for Shonim. If the Kedusha with which Eretz Yisrael was invested at the time of the Second Commonwealth, or the beginning of Bayasheni, was a Kedusha that's supposed to last in perpetuity, or if it's just meant to be there uh, temporarily, shata. So, and when the Jews were exiled away, that kedusha of the land lapsed. That's a machlokus rishonim. The Rambam holds that the kedusha from Bayasheni was there, invested in perpetuity. So the kedusha persists, and the land even today is obligated in the mitzvahs of Tulius Ba'aretz, such as the Trumas and Maestras, and therefore we're talking about Doraisa territory here, taking the mission on face value, and that's that. However, the Rambam himself understands, and this is conventional halacha, that notwithstanding the fact that there's the potential for Doraisa, in practice, it's only a Durabanan. Trumas and Maestras today is only Durabanan. And the reason why is because from a second drasha, which talks about the Jews coming to the land, meaning that when the majority of Jews, at least, Rubukukulo, all the Jews, or at least most of them, are in the land and dwelling there, that's when the mitzvah of of uh, Trumas and Maestras applies. But if the minority, the majority of the Jews are still outside of Eretz Yisrael, so then the mitzvah doesn't apply, and you're only in Durabanan territory. Lalach Lamaisa. Second of all, you have Maeser Behema. Maeser Behema is the tithing of one's livestock. That means one's cows, goats, and sheep that are born in a given, I'll call it fiscal year, for lack of a better term right now. They go into a corral, you put them all in there, and then you take out all the cows one at a time. Every tenth cow out of the corral gets marked with red paint and is consecrated, being identified as Maeser Behema, the tithe of the animals. Which means prior to going to the corral and prior to being taken out of the corral, all your animals are not yet vested with any Kedusha. It's only once you do this tithing process. So it's in our hands. And the rabbi said, although it's true you could do this process, and you could end up having Meiser Behema on a Darius level, the rabbi said, do not do it. There's a din, there a bun, not to do it, because the rabbis were concerned. People will have livestock running around on their farms that are invested with Kedusha, and all sorts of bad things could happen in terms of mixing up and eating them when they're when they're, uh, you know, still should be brought as korbanos, etc. And we can't bring them as korbanos because there's no base of Therefore, the rabbi said, don't do it in the first place. And that's the din halach la We're not going to be doing maeser behema. We're not even going to be tithing them and counting them every tenth one at all. Finally, bukhoros. Now, bukhoros are firstborn male that come from a cow, goat, or sheep. The first time that that heifer gives birth to a cow, if a baby, if the baby is a male, then that's a bukhor. Now, there's no way to stop the Kedush from happening because the Kedusha happens um, upon birth. So unlike the Meister Behemoth where we, the rabbis could say, just don't count the animals and do the tenth business and you won't have Kedush animals here, it's just a basic din. A Jew's cow or goat or sheep, if it has the first, its first offspring as male, that male is invested with the sanctity and has to be brought as a korban um, and eaten over there in Yerushalayim. So 
The same problem, however, exists that the rabbis were concerned people could have bechoros, cows that should be brought as korbanos, but they can't be brought because there's no base of mikdash. And therefore, the din is that that one is to share ownership of his heifer with a non-Jew. And once the non-Jew has any portion of the cow, so then the cow's offspring are exempt from Bukhoros, and that's what one should do. So therefore, we circumvent the possibility of having Bukhoros, which can't be brought as Korbanos, because no base mikdash, by sharing ownership of our cows with Gentiles. Fine. Now, those says the Mishnah are no hagen beim b'fnei abayas, beim shalob b'fnei abayas. You don't need to base some English to have these mitzvahs to apply, but you're supposed to, as I said before, in the case of the animals at least, to circumvent them. And as far as the Meister goes, and Trumas the Meister of Dagon, that's probably just a rabbana now anyways. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon, excuse me, I, I skipped some words. Hamaktish shkalem ubikurim. If a person... However, although there is no mitzvah to do shkalim or machs shekel, and no mitzvah to do bikurim, because no basic English to bring them to, if a person consecrates his coin or his produce and says this is a shekel, or he says this is my these are my bikurim, so then hareze kodesh, that declaration does vest, and the coin does become a machs shekel with the attendant kedusha, even though it can't be used. Same goes with the bikurim, and that means what do you do with this coin now? So you can't do anything with the coin because the coin now is is hectic, but since you can't do anything with it, what you have to do is just destroy it, throw it into the Dead Sea or something equivalent, so that you don't get benefit from your coin. That'll be the din. So Tanakama holds that works for coins and for Bikurim, but Rebbe Shimon Omer, Haomer Bikurim Kodesh, Einan Kodesh. Rebbe Shimon disagrees. Rebbe Shimon says, no, no, no. When it comes to, he agrees when it comes to the Mach Shekel. If you want to declare a Kodesh, then you could and it will work. Um, that's true, but but just don't do it. But if it comes to, when it comes to Bikurim, Rabbi Shimon says no, it doesn't work. Again, the reason why is because the pasuk says it's racist Bikuriad Matzchat Tavi It's contingent upon being able to bring it to Beis Hamikdash. No Beis Hamikdash means no possibility of Bikurim, and that being the case, they're simply not going to be Kodesh, whether you declare them Kodesh or otherwise. Halach Lamaisa will be like Rabbi Shimon which means that there's no bring of Bikurim or declaring this Kodesh no matter what. As far as the Machsa Shekel goes, as I mentioned earlier in the Masechta, um, we certainly do not set aside Machsa Shekel. However, the Ramah brings that the Minigiz, at least by Bnei Ashkenaz, to set aside uh, Machsa Shekel. In fact, the custom is even to bring set aside three half shekels um, on Erev Purim and set that aside and give it to Tzedakah. And one of those coins, at least, is a Zecher to the Machsa Shekel. Um, if you recall from Lerner Namsecht, I said that that Parsha there talks about the word, we use the word Truma three times because there were three different givings back in the base of Mikdash, based in, based in the Mishkan and the Midbar time in the desert. And therefore we give three half shekels of the prevailing currency in our particular locale um, as a Zecher to that. And that is certainly for Ashkenazim, the Midig and therefore Halach Lamaisa. And with that, we finish Masech Shkalim, Salak Masech Shkalim, and yes, I correct everyone who learned the Masechta. Kolokavon.